everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm your host, Eric Quanstrom the Chief Marketing Officer at Science. Today's episode, really fun discussion. Boy, oh boy, we had uh, Scott Lees, who is, you know, a rather large figure in this space. In fact, you know, you go to Scott's um, LinkedIn profile and you'll see 65 different experiences, um, aka jobs or affiliations. (laughs) Uh, Scott defines himself as a six-time sales leader, four-times founder, three-times author, um, current sales consultant, and from what I understand, probably one of the best sales conferences in the world. And I'm saying this too because I'm biased; I'm a surfer. But the Surf and Sales event that takes place in Costa Rica um, every November is one that he hosts and runs. In this conversation, I think you're going to get a ton out of it. Um, we we talk a lot about where things are going in sales development, especially with regards to AI. Uh, you're going to want to listen because Scott has some very bold predictions and ones that I think um, a lot of people might be very nervous about to be perfectly candid, but it's an exciting and interesting conversation. Uh, We then spend a lot of time talking about like the human elements of sales that persist and a lot of the strategies associated with go-to network, a concept that he's popularized around building one's network, especially at the prospecting stage for key referrals into um, net new business. At any rate, listen for that because there's just tons and tons of insights you can take away and start to implement within your own business um, immediately after listening. So without further ado, here he is, Scott Lease. And we're back with Scott Lease. Um, Scott, you're probably one of the foremost voices in the sales development kind of like sphere, community, landscape, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we were just talking a little bit uh, offline about kind of the AI revolution and and where things go next. I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, kind of where you see things now and diving right into what you think is next. Well, I think we're sort of at the very end of all the things being status quo and working as they used to work. Um, And I think we're beginning to see a big change in how people go to market. I don't think that people use the phone the same way they used to, for example. So I don't see how cold calling is going to work long-term. People don't use email the same way they used to. So I don't see how cold emailing prospects is going to work long-term. If you don't believe me, if you have kids, just ask your kids if they use the telephone or if they use email. And those kids who maybe are, you know, teenagers like mine, or maybe they're in college still, they will be the future executives and founders in five to 10 years. And if they don't use those channels of communication, guess what? All your cold calling tips and tricks might not be uh, very useful. So I see that wave starting to come. Um, on on, On the AI front, I really think that there's some extremely progressive and interesting things that will be able to be done. I mean, one of the things that I just talked about uh, a couple of days ago is essentially taking all of the content that somebody like myself has put out there. So 
God knows how many LinkedIn posts, and blogs, and newsletters. I've written three books. I, I, I did a quick search for podcasts that I've appeared on the other day. And I've appeared on something like 500 different podcasts, not counting the ones of my own. So you take all of that content and now run it through some AI algorithm to mirror Scott's voice, the way Scott communicates, how he believes you should uh, you know, demo a product, how I believe you should find pain and, and build value and all of this kind of steps, right? How I should prospect. Essentially, a company could kind of hire an AI avatar version of Scott or my friend Richard Harris or my friend Kevin Dorsey or, or whoever out there, right? Kind of like picking a character in a video game. So you could send all these AI salespeople to work for you from all over the world 24-7, right? And maybe I license my name out and license my content out and for, you know... $9.99 a month, every company on planet Earth could have Scott as a salesperson. I, I think that these types of things, um, we, I think it's going to happen much sooner than we believe. That's what I yeah. think. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And by the way, the, the friends that you mentioned also past podcast guests, great episodes all. Um, go look them up <laughs> because I think that the, the advice given there was, was really important. So let's say that we go down that path and peel this onion a little bit. So the AI, you know, is able to kind of like index or tokenize um, into its LLM all the the Scott content. Um, what do you think the the major themes that the AI is going to come back with? Because one of the things that I've observed generative AI being exceptionally good at is pattern recognition and understanding how to take large corpuses of data, if you will, and really, you know, kind of like pack them down into material. Um, really in, arguably insightful or, or main thing type of, of um, you know, kind of responses back. I think they'll be able to, to mirror somebody's process. So I wrote a book about my sales process called Addicted to the Process. Um, I talk about the addiction model of selling. So it's my belief that... Um, Nobody gives a shit until they believe they have a problem. And so our job is to kind of get somebody to admit that they have a problem. And that's where everything starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they have to believe and understand why it's important to solve this problem. And then they have to feel like, oh, hell, I better do something about it right now or the sky is falling. And then and only then are they open to hearing about your solution. So I believe that the AI will be able to produce a sales script, a talk track right? That mirrors Scott's philosophy over the top of whatever product you're selling, whether you're selling science or, you know, Gong or IBM or Salesforce or whatever, right? And you'll be able to do that with all of your favorite sellers that are out there, right? Let's say it's Keenan and gap selling. Let's say it's the folks from the challenger sale, whoever, Right. Yeah. And so I think you can just Neil Rackman's been selling way back in the day, all of that kind of stuff. Right. So um, you at the click of a button, basically. Now, you and I start we started a company, let's say you and I, and we sell X, Y, Z, you know, to all these different people. So we're mm-hmm. going to say, hey, I need a sales script and I want to base the sales script on Scott Lisa's teachings. 
or John Barrow's teaching or Samantha McKenna's teachings or whoever, right? All of the, the everybody's fam, everybody's, you know, most famous and, and, and LinkedIn influencers that, that they want to follow, right? Whoever they're the biggest fans of. And you can pick and choose, right? Mix and for match. Cheap, for cheap. Yeah. And you mix and match. And then you look at the data and you're like, okay, you know, Eric's methodologies don't seem to be working as well as Scott's, right? So we should probably steer away from that one. We'll use this one. Doesn't mean that Eric's don't work. It just doesn't work like in this arena, maybe, for example. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the building of talk tracks, the writing of, uh, you know, prospecting emails, overcoming and handling certain objections, negotiation. All of these things people think are not possible uh, with AI. And maybe a lot of them are not possible right now with AI. Mm-hmm. But you cannot convince me that in a year, two years, five years, that these things won't be possible. The, the, power, the power of the, the AI mechanism is like doubling every six months or something like that. So, you know, it'll be 128 times more powerful in a couple of years than it is today. You mean to tell me that you don't think an AI, fully AI, like cold call will come out where that AI can understand sentiment and emotion and empathy and tone. You can't convince me that that, that won't happen. So yeah. that's where, that's the direction I think it's going. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. And furthermore, I think one of the other interesting countervailing or, or consistent trends with this is we saw generative AI as a category blow up, right? Like ChatGPT was the fastest to 100 million users of any technology ever in the history of time. It took like six weeks. And so what that leaves in its, its wake um, <laughs> is familiarity of, of you know, interacting via chat that is actually very familiar to people, very powerful, very, um, it's, it's becoming a heuristic if it isn't already. And so that ability to, you know, kind of tune the model, tune the chat with your teachings, with your insights, with your process, to me feels like, oh, this is, this is actually a very natural path forward, isn't it? Yeah. And unfortunately, what I think is going to happen is it's going to do away with a lot of sales jobs. Interesting. Because what is the need for the SDR function in this world moving forward? If, if, the, if, the, if the generative AI can produce all the content, do all the research, put the list together, it never misses a next step. Never takes a break. Never late, never late for a meeting. Can be 24-7, 365. 24-7, 365 for a fraction of the cost. Hmm. Zero of the uh, risk, right? <clears throat> um, zero of the administrative and management load. And every company out there right now is trying to find ways to cost cut, right? Yeah. And, save, and save money. If you don't think that that's coming for your jobs... Uh, you know, I got some land to sell you in the Everglades. <laughs> it's scary to think about, but I, I, I could see it going that direction. Maybe I'm, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't yeah. feel like I'll be wrong though right now. So that said, I think most techni- 
technological innovations that we've seen through the history of time, even if they eliminate jobs short term, they tend to be net job creators long term. Do you agree with that kind of like read of history and this pattern match also fitting or, you know, I do, I do agree with that read of history. I uh, err on the side of all the bad sci-fi movies out there where AI takes over and we are essentially rendered useless. So I agree with that reading of history. I'm not sure that I agree that it will continue down that path. I'm trying to fun, I'm trying to figure out which jobs won't be replaced. So this time is different. I, I, that is my concern, I think, and my worry. Okay. Right? Help me find jobs that won't be replaced, right? At some point, could, could we entrust robots and AI to perform surgery? Why not? Potentially. At some point... Could you see robots being the uh, flight control guys on the tarmac with the, you know, the wands that they wave directing traffic and all that kind of stuff? I don't know how much those those people get paid, but they're out there in the rain and the snow and the cold all the time. Right. And there's human error there. And it's the most dangerous job in the world, I think. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. So can we eliminate that job? Probably. So I just don't, I don't know what job is going to be safe. And then somebody says, well, the job that is safe will be the person who builds the robot and builds the AI, right? Maybe. But how much more powerful is it going to get all the time? At what point does it think and behave and act on its own? And that's where all the sci-fi stuff comes into play. You know, it's a it's a it's a fun, exciting and scary conversational uh, topic, I think. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Let's migrate back to sales, because I think that, you know, sales is one of those jobs that a lot of people do say um, it's human, right? Like the human in sales matters. What say you? Well, I think it, it matters right now. And I think in the near term, it will matter even more. Um, what I mean by that is when every email that you receive is thought to be written by AI and insincere, the best way to stand out is to prove your authenticity and sincerity as a human being. This could be a return to the handwritten letter, for yeah. example. It could be a return to some face-to-face business meetings potentially to get to get in touch with somebody, right? Um, it could be leaning on your network, as I've talked a lot about over the last year, this go-to-network kind of approach, meaning the only way we're going to be able to open opportunities moving forward is through introductions, because that trust is already there. If I'm trying to get a hold of Thomas, CEO of, of science, and I don't know him, but I know Eric, <laughs> and Eric knows Thomas, and I go to Eric and say, hey, man, uh, I'd love to get a hold of Thomas. Here's what I'm up to. 
do you know him well enough to make an intro? And by the way, if you do make that intro, I'll break you off like 10% of the, you know, commission on the, on the deal. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, I trust Scott. He's a good guy. I'll see if Thomas, you know, has a need for this. So you go ask Thomas and you're like, Hey man, I don't know if you have a need for this, but my buddy Scott would like to talk to you. You know, are you open to an intro? Immediately Thomas trusts you. Yeah. Right. You have a relationship. Yep. And therefore he trusts me much more than if I just called out of the blue or emailed yep. him out of the blue. Right. So then he takes that meeting and, you know, if a deal closes, everybody's happy. You got the buyer who's happy, the seller who's happy and you who brokered the introduction, you're happy, not just from the kindness of your heart. You also get paid. Right. Right. So you're going to have to have a network and you're going to have to know people and you're going to have to prove your humanity because that's the only way we're going to be able to take meetings. I'm not picking up the phone for strangers. Mm-hmm. I'm not responding to emails from people I don't know or DMs from people I don't know. Yeah. Well, what you're really proposing is ironically enough, a return to that, which is less scalable, you know, that, which is potentially, you know, handcrafted or bespoke, um, to get business done. Yeah. Because we over near over-engineered everything. <laughs> We optimized way too far for efficiency and we ruined this cool toys that we, uh, that we built. We created this killer toy called the telephone and then we exploited it through power dialers making 500 calls, you know, at a time. And we created this cool utility called email and then we exploited it and ruined it by sending 500 spam emails at once all over the place and just throwing shit against the wall in the volume game and just seeing what works. Yep. Right. So how do we, you know, kind of like, let's say that that vision is very attractive and, and I, I'm, I hear a number of nodding heads of the audience members listening to everything that you're saying, who then are, are thinking to themselves, okay, go to network as my number one, go to market. How do I do that? <laughs> how do I do that with my current force, with my current resources at hand? How should I be thinking about that strategically? Yeah. Well, I don't think you could say right now it should be your only um, way that you try to try to grow the business because it's not that email doesn't work at all yet, or doesn't work at all right now, or that the phone doesn't work at all right now. It's just a fact that it doesn't work as good as it used to. Right. So it's about incorporating these things, this go to network strategy into what you're already doing. Right. So how do you get started? Well, the first thing is you have to grow a network. Right. In order to go to network, you have to have a network. So what's an easy thing that a sales leader could do with their sales team um, to work on this? Well, how about make network growth part of their daily KPI? Pretty simple. LinkedIn has, uh, I think, a max capacity of 15 or 16 connection requests per day that you can send without getting put in LinkedIn jail, right? It's like 200 a week nowadays, I think. Whatever the number is, right? So now you can't actually track because they don't open everything up, but you can't track whether they were sent or not and how many, you know, got accepted or whatnot. But you know what you can track on your reps? That little number on their profile that says how many connections they have. 
Yeah. Right. So that should be growing with every single seller on your team. And as a sales leader, that number should be growing week over week, month over month. So just make that a KPI. That's one thing you could do. Uh, you should get involved with communities and you can lean on the community to try to open up opportunities. Perfect example. I, I run a revenue community called GTM United. And what we've been doing for four or five months now is we work with partners who send us a list of accounts that they're trying to break into. And then I put that account list and contact list in front of the community. And anybody in the community is able to raise their hand and say, Hey, I know Eric, I know Scott, I can make an intro here. Right? <clears throat> so they send us just a simple CSV file. So what you could do right now is just create a simple CSV file, dump like a hundred company names in there with the name of the contact you want to reach and their LinkedIn profile and put that in front of your community. Your community could be your current employees. It could be your investors and cap table. It could be your advisors. Mm. It could be your friends and family. It could be your fraternity brothers. <laughs> it could be revenue communities like GTM United. It could be people that uh, are known in, in, in sales and tech who are influencers, right? What's the risk of doing that? There's no downside to it whatsoever, right? None. So it doesn't have to be all like fancy and you know tech driven and like massively scalable. That's the easiest way to get started is those those two motions that I that I just told you. Just track network growth as a KPI and put a simple CSV file of accounts you're trying to break into in front of people in your community and allow them to help and pay them if it works. Yeah. I think that last piece is actually super important too, so that there's potentially, you know, skin in the game or a referral fee, you know, a, a, that's a exactly what it is. It's a referral fee and affiliate fee. Listen, um, we're, we're a little bit protective of our network, Yeah, <clears throat> right? We don't want to exploit it. And so we're certainly not going to shoulder tap people out of the kindness of our heart anymore, yeah. right? There needs to be some value there. I know that my 100 and almost 7,000 followers on LinkedIn, I know that that holds value, mm -hmm. right? So I'm happy to help. Just break me off a little piece. That's it. And I, and, I, and I think that that's how you get people to participate. Now, this motion, by the way, is much easier if you sell a larger ticket item. Yeah. Right. Because let's say you sell a, let's say you sell a $500 item, right? Well, 10% of that is 50 bucks. Right. So how willing, you know, to do some of this work are you for 50 bucks? Probably not. But if you sell a $50,000 package and you could make an intro and net you 5K, or what about a $500,000 deal that might net you 50K for making an intro? Do I have your attention now? Right. I think the answer is yes. And I've been doing this motion for a long time before I really coined the, you know, go to network phrase and, and, and put it in, involved, involved my community with it. Um, you know, I, I have one partner that I've worked with for a while. They asked for an intro to somebody. I said, yeah, I, I know that person. He used to work for me. 
made the intro. They closed the deal. $360,000 deal. I made 36 grand for making an intro. True story. Boom. Proof that it works. And as you, as you share those experiences and you start to see those wins, people like you and maybe the audience listening is like, holy shit, you know, I might be able to do that. And somebody who's done it, me, I'm even more invested in it now. I'm like, who do I know? Who needs an intro somewhere, right? Because that thing works. Totally. And very little effort, all things, all things considered, right? You know, it's interesting. I've long had this thesis on the marketing side or coming at what I think is the same problem, but from a, a, maybe a different angle. And it's long been my contention that it's harder to buy than it is to sell. And so if I have a trusted member of a network providing, you know, kind of a proxy into a company, a solution, a product nice. that, you know, I've come to know and, and thus is in my network, you're actually taking a lot of the, the risk yes. out of a buying decision that yes. would otherwise be kind of, you know, people knocking on a bunch of doors, doing a bunch of vendor bake-offs and interviews. Yeah. And or you're, or you're reading these reviews on on websites that, you know, we don't really trust anymore. Let's be honest with you. Sure. Uh, you read a, a glowing review or a negative review on G2 Crowd or Trust Radius or help Yelp. And you're taking all of these things with a grain of salt, right? Mm -hmm. People don't buy that way anymore. Right. Now what you do is you pop into, you know, Pavilion or GTM United or Rev Genius or Thursday Night Sales when I was running that community. And you say, hey, I'm thinking about buying X type of tool. Here's a couple, couple uh, options, right? Company one, company two, company three. Has anybody have an experience with this? What's your feedback? And all of a sudden you get all this feedback. Yep. Right? You're making decisions based on the recommendations of people you know and trust. Yeah. Which eliminates risk. And for the seller, what happens is, this buyer now comes to you and their sales cycle is decreased, right? And what is interesting, what is happening is the ACV of these type of go-to-network and nearbound-led deals, the ACV is proving to be larger. Mm -hmm. Because rather than dipping their toes in with, you know, one or two seats, they're like, I got 15 people on my team. We're going, I want all of them to have it, right? So you got a shorter sales cycle a larger contract value, and frankly, a better experience for seller and buyer. Yeah. And I would venture to guess that in those network-based sales, your win rates go up. Yes. So on the sales side, there's that might be the number one incentive, right? That I'm not going to spend as much time in a decreased sales cycle. I agree with that point uh, wholeheartedly. But I also am more likely to close that deal which thus incentivizes me to be very attracted to, you know, like as a salesperson working my ass off on that yeah. particular deal. Yeah. And think about how many people get out of the profession of sales or don't join the profession because of the constant failure rate. Yeah. Right. Or the, or the aversion to doing a scary task, like cold calling strangers, right. those, those things are eliminated or massively reduced at least through this function that we're talking about, right? Well, I, I'm actually old enough to know that this is actually very similar to a world of the internet, you know, pre kind of like over-engineered tech. 
um, <laughs> a lot of the way things were done, you know, kind of in the old school days was word of mouth, was basically networks, was exactly what you're saying. These kind of um, idiosyncratic, very, um, you know, who, who belongs to your network or who's in your network is oftentimes random chance. But yet, for all the reasons that we just stated, potentially way more effective. Yeah, it's just faster too, right? If you go back to like, you know, the networks of the early 90s or something like that or 80s or something like that, maybe your community was church, for example. Right. Yeah. Well, you only go there once a week to talk to people. Now, when we combine the technology with online community and everything, you can have those answers in a split second. Yeah. You know, you and I could go post a question about something right now and we would have answers coming our way almost instantaneously. We don't have to wait for Sunday. Right. <laughs> so the speed with which we get feedback, um, it plays a huge, huge part in this. Well, and I think there's also probably something you lightly alluded to a second ago, which is, you know, the, the referrer definitely doesn't necessarily want their brand, their own personal brand associated with something that they don't trust. So that's that trust proxy where, you know, for me to, you know, maybe I'm incentivized to earn a commission, but I still wouldn't want any blowback on a bad hire, a bad right. engagement, a bad, you know, installation right. coming yeah. back on me, which I think keeps the whole system flowing. Yeah. The idea is that it sort of self-polices and quality control is like baked into it. Right. Which is also part of those feedback loops. Yeah. And, you know, you just have to, you have to be careful because, you know, humans wreck things. So there will be somebody out there who just starts trying to make intros for people that they don't know at all, actually. And that's not what I'm talking about. Like, you actually have to have had a relationship with some, somebody. It, this is not one of those motions where all the connections that you have on LinkedIn that you've never talked to before those are not the people that you're going to saying, Hey, can I get an intro to Scott? Yeah. It's the people you're connected to that you have had dialogue with. You've, you know, emailed them a few times. You've talked to them. You've met them in person. Maybe you were on their podcast. There's some, there's some foundation there, right? Those are the people that you run the play with. You spent a week surfing with them down in Costa Rica. Exactly. That's a, a perfect example. You know, I was at, um, a very large sales conference a few weeks ago, which was the first one I'd gone to in years. Um, <clears throat> the only reason I was there was because I was speaking at it. And I was reminded why those events are not for me. And mm. they're not for a lot of people. Because there might have been 100,000 people there. But I did not walk away with 20 brand new friends. Mm. When you have a micro event, where you're going to spend days with people, this immersion, and they have this experience, I'm walking away with 20 connections. I mean, I know your kids' names. I know where you, where you live. I know your hobbies, what you like to do. We've joked. We've you know, had drinks together. We've ate food together. We've crashed in the ocean, wiped out together, right? <laughs> you go home from an event like Serpent Sales, and you're like, I just added 20 people to my network that will like, help me and bend over backwards to do so. Yeah. And I don't know, think you get that experience when you go to a big, huge conference like that. It's all about scan my fucking badge and let me put you into my spam cannon because now you're a lead. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you know what people say too when, when they fit that former profile of 
friends, if you will, is that person will always take my call. Yes. They'll always respond to your email. They'll respond to your text message. They'll maybe pick up the phone when you call. That's right. Which I think going back to a kind of a prospecting mindset, if I knew that I could, you know, kind of be working a patch of people that would always take my call, that would be, you know, a prioritized lead. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes for those listening um, in almost every circumstance. Wouldn't you agree? hundred percent. If you do a lead scoring mechanism at your company, those leads shoot to the top. Yeah. That's exactly where you would start. Right. Yeah. And I love your advice on, you know, kind of growing a network and making, you know, networking a true KPI within an organization. What are some other things since you coined the term, you know, around go to network, what are some other things that the astute observer listener to this podcast can take away and start to implement in their business today going forward? Um, I think that you should take away that you're going to need a network in the future more than ever. Yeah. And networks take time to build. So you better start building it today. You might as well track it like everything else. So you can see the progress, right? <clears throat> I think you should take away that this go to network motion works. It's proven to work. There are people like me partnering with vendors out there who are, are making this motion work. You're seeing more and more people talk about it. You're seeing more and more people talk about how phone and cold email is not working as well as it used to. So you need to recognize that at some point in the future, those channels may die off entirely. You better start preparing for, for that. I think they should take away that they don't need to over-engineer it. It's literally as simple as creating an a Excel spreadsheet putting it in front of a bunch of people you know and just saying, hey, you know, do you know anybody well enough here to make an intro? I think they should take away that doing what I just said one time and not having success with it does not mean it doesn't work. Right. It just might mean the 100 people you put in front of somebody wasn't the right 100. So you want to refresh that with people who are, are willing to engage in this motion with you. You refresh it once a month or once a quarter or something like that. Um, yeah, and I, I think you sh they should pay attention to the, uh, the decrease in sales cycle length, the increase in average contract value length, the increase in win rates, and the overall morale increase both from the seller and and the buyer perspective as well. Yeah. We'll feel better about the whole thing. And I think that uh, my last point is people should get involved with communities because that's where people are making buying decisions all day long right now. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I see it every day in the CMO communities that I belong to. Yeah, I'm sure somebody is in there today saying, you know, has anybody here had experience working with science? Yep. Right? That's exactly right. And you're there to observe probably at first. Let me see what other people say. Yep. 
And then research. <laughs> if it skews one way or the other, you may be inclined to chime in and make sure yeah. there's only accurate representation happening. Right. I know how the game is played. Yeah. But that's why you, you're supposed to be there. Not totally. being there is a bad mistake. Yeah. Right. I would and, agree with that. And, you know, the other thing that I, I, I have as a personal habit of mine is also disclaiming, you know, because the other thing that happens in this kind of like different model is that trust proxy is coming from the referrer, not the vendor. You know what I mean? It's coming from what other people are saying about your brand. That's the essence of what a brand is, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. It's less about what you say about yourself and more about what other people say about you, right? Because it's always discounted. Especially when you're not in the room. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the exact quote, I believe, for a lot of people, how they define yeah. a brand. <laughs> what people say about you when you're not in the room. Yeah, yeah. Scott, this has been a real tour de force um, conversation. I really think that there's a lot of value for our listeners. For anyone that wants to pick up the conversation, listen to your podcast, attend any of your events, where should they go? Well, the best place to uh, engage with me is on LinkedIn, of course. Um, you can check out the Surf and Sales podcast on every you know place you listen to podcasts. The Surf and Sales Summit, you can find at surfandsales.com. It's November 27th through December 6th. There's a two different sessions people can check out down in Costa Rica. Uh, you can check out my community, it's gtmunited.com. And if you want to see a, a futuristic uh, sales training powered 100% entirely by AI. I'm releasing a training series for reps and for teams called the Sales Reaper. And uh, training or the trailer dropped last week on Thursday. And the second trailer uh, drops tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Central, September 28th. Will be <laughs> trailer two comes out. And uh, Pretty cool. I'll, I can send you a copy, Eric, so you can put it in the show notes if you want. We will put it in the show notes. And by the time people are listening to this, that will have already happened. So they can get it. Get their well, there's the new episode dropping every Thursday between now and Halloween. I love it. Love it. Well, this has been great. Scott, thanks again for your time. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much.